well, another episode of Pop Apologists. Chandler, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, what has been happening in your life, in your week? Last night, I went to Heather Gay's Bad Mormon book signing premiere party. Um, okay. So that was a big deal. I, you know, Ben was supposed to go with me, but then he was kind of in a bad mood. And I'm like, you don't even deserve mm-hmm. to go, first of all. You won't even appreciate this moment. Um, right. And I want to have you bringing down the vibe. So I brought some girlfriends with me and it was lovely. It was like so fun. Um, yeah, I am very excited to read the book. I've already started it. There is something about Heather's magnetism in person. She really is someone who is so lively, fun, always has a punchy, funny thing to say. Right. Like, is always so quippy, is always so flattering. Like she's right. just like, I think the word for it is charisma. No. Um, and to the max. <laughs> she has so much charisma. She's also the type of person where if you're like, come meet my friend, she's going to like be so warm and like fun and kind to them. You know, like, whereas, like, there are other people where you're like, I want you to meet my friend. And then it'll be like, you know, this like quick, curt and, you know, introduction. And yeah, Yeah. she's just, she's wonderful. She's warm. Everyone, you know, was completely enamored by her. And yeah, you know, they, uh, they saw the hype. Absolutely. Um, yeah, she's even like more amazing in person. So agreed. So excited to have her on the show to read Bad Mormon and then have her on the show to discuss. Yes. That is upcoming. Um, we're in the process of booking that, so that'll be really great. Um, what about you? How's my week going, going on in your week? Oh, you just well, thank asked you for asking. The <laughs> how's my, and how's my week going? I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I got my Instagram. I'm sorry, I got my wedding photos back, and so now I am actually like knee deep in the work channel, the work mm-hmm. of curating how I'm going to post all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I texted you and Courtney and I said, what's the max I can post for grid folks, oh, you know, for I'm, carousels? I'm curious her thoughts versus mine. So at first she said three. And then I said, oh, wow. She gave that's you not going to happen. She gave you a ceiling of three. She three. did. But then she walked it back because okay. I was like, well, that's Good. definitely not. Three is right, like not right, even right. on the table. Right. Like I would say 30 <laughs> is potentially too much. Uh, but three. Like, I might as well just get, like, I might as well just it's have like, not had a wedding. If I'm going to post honestly, three grid posts. Three like, did you like, like your wedding if you posted I'm three like, grid posts? Three three grid posts is, like, the same as, like, a 30th birthday. Like, that's, like, you know, like, that's the, I mean, I post I mean, for like me, it two, could be a boat day. It could literally be a boat day for you. It could be, actually, <laughs> it could be a sectional day for you. Um, Absolutely. But, wow, I cannot believe the restraint she was trying to make you show. Well, I also, I mean, I posted nine slideshows, nine grid posts, carousels for my safari. So I'm like, That's I can't true. post less than I posted about, you know, right. South Africa. So I've right. now set this benchmark. Anyway. Hold on. A moment. Yeah. A, a moment to just, just quickly be self-aware and realize that this conversation about, you know, what type of, how many posts on social media fit the occasion and what like is, you know socially acceptable like it's just such a a perfectly um, how do I say it we're really dumb and people used to have to care about really important things and now we don't have to care about crazy important things because we can just care about you know how many Instagram posts we can do I mean sure let's all acknowledge that but I would say that we're dumb as a society because I can tell you that we this are is a, this is a great struggle that all it's- brides face all you know you one day will encounter this hurdle in your life Chandler and I wouldn't just so casually sweep it away you know it is something to it is something to reckon with I mean yeah I I guess it is something to reckon with I mean people used to reckon with like having to go to war and now this is what we reckon with it is incredibly dumb it is incredibly stupid yeah also I don't know why I care so much about Instagram and my wedding like right my wedding has nothing to do with social media I even liked not having posted for a while because I was right, like, you know, right. it has nothing to do with showing it off or sharing it. This is actually just a private event. Right. Um, for me, for me and my close <laughs> friends and family, not for Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But no, the photos came back. My photographer knocked it out of the park. And but I now I am like I am faced with this conundrum. Mm-hmm. So you know what? This may not be a real problem, Lauren, but it's real to you. And so <laughs> in that I validate you. 
the one thing I will, well, one, this is a good vindication of meta in and the use case of it in perpetuity because Great. we all put so much effort into mm-hmm. into curating our lives. I mean, we all, all the shallow bitches listening, which is right. 99% of you. And honestly, um, even the people who are curating an anti-curated look are curating. Absolutely. Exactly. We've all put so much effort into capturing our lives, right? This is mm-hmm. the modern day scrapbook on Instagram. Yeah. So the idea take. that this would all go away and yeah. that you just wouldn't care about all this content. Anyway, um, but I forgot where I was even going with that. Oh yeah, I have to have it, it was, all posted. The other thing is I have to have yeah. it all posted by by the time the Patreon episode goes up. Right. So anyway, You've got a business deadline to track. I've got with. a business deadline. Um yeah. <laughs> so I gotta get it up and running. I gotta get it I gotta get it going and that's taking up a lot of my time. Side note, remember how, how mom used to make these really ornate scrapbooks? In fact, she would hire a person to come over to our house to then sift through our like printed out photos to then like make them into huge scrapbooks that I think were pretty expensive. That they oh, are, I mean, that has completely gone. They had cute, like, little graphics mm-hmm. and beautiful, like, prints. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That, that, that used to be a full thing. I think that the Achilles heel and problem with scrapbooks, though, is that obviously they're contained within a book. And so you have to be looking at a right. book. It's not digital. Right. So, well, unfortunately, sorry, we can't like, enjoy them unless we're there. Right. And, yeah, and I can't, like, show my scrapbook to all my friends, you know, with the click of a button. Exactly. And an yeah. affiliate link. Right. Um. Anyways. So, anyway, that is really the 2023 struggle I am facing this week. So keep me in your thoughts and prayers, everyone. You did say to me that you have been going to Orange Theory and that you said, you quote, it's kind of a bullshit workout, but I've been modifying <laughs> a ton and my instructor loves it, which I just want to, uh, sorry, end quote, unpack. Because it sounds like you're not doing the program that, and that class is extremely programmed. That's, um, so that's let's talk correct. about it. So I went to Orange Theory and I, first of all, I think the rowing is a total waste of time. Also, I'm looking at my stats and I spend, it's a 60 minute workout, right? I spend 12 minutes total on the treadmill, like Mm -hmm. eight on the rower. And then I'm in the weight area. A lot of time is wasted in the back and forth. Oh, get off your treadmill, go to the rower. Okay. Now we're going to lose two minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rafa, who's my instructor. And so anyway, um, I said to my instructor, I said, "I, I have a low back problem. And that's not which I true. Do. That's a, which I do not. I fully you, do. You absolutely do not. Yeah. Correct. First time hearing of that. So I lied about having a fake injury and I said, and I can't do the rower. And so I said, I need to just do the treadmill during cardio because I, yeah. you know, it's going to be way, yeah. much more efficient. Right. Right. He shot me down immediately. Stop. Um, he said, no, that won't fly. He said, no. He said, that doesn't work because we don't have enough space. You know, you got to go with the program. So anyway, uh, I reluctantly decided to strain my lower back issue and continue <laughs> with the rower. You could, you're kind of like building a lawsuit against them. Like you, you, you could fake an injury. That is a great sue point. Them. If things get um, really tough, I will uh, hire. I will see if Ed Masry wants to take up <laughs> take up a lawsuit against the Puerto Rico Orange Theory here in San Juan. Um, Sorry to anyone who goes to Orange Theory. Our dad loves Orange Theory a lot. And I actually like going with him a lot, you know, as a way to spend time together. Um, But I also don't really enjoy the rowing. And honestly, one of the last couple of times I was there, I fell off a treadmill. And for those reasons, I don't think I can go back. Uh, I'll do you one better. One time. Well, how did you fall off? Like, did you get injured? Or was it just like a qu- quick stumble? Lauren, yes. And my pride was beyond repair. Was injured beyond mm. repair. Um, well, I thought no, that I was, a I was, time ago. It was one of those like run to row. You probably haven't done Orange Theory enough to you know experience no. this yet. And you probably won't even make it there because you'll quit. No offense, but you <laughs> probably. know. That is my, I have thought already, like I just need to cancel this membership so I don't get charged <laughs> again for February or for March. I've already planned my exit strategy. I know strategy. you do well. I literally know yeah. you do well. Anyways, it was like you run, then you go back, you quickly dash back and forth to the rower. Um, and it was in one of those transitions, you could say, which is, you know, when I just completely oh, fell. Oh, and you've, I, you like, ate it. I ate it. I like literally the belt was still spinning and it like knocked me off. Um, well, yeah. One, one time I I was on the rower and I was so exuberant. This was a long time, years ago. I accidentally kicked the seat out from underneath me. And so 
And you know what I literally thought? I was trying to row so fast that I thought, pretend you're on a lake. Titanic. And James is is like drowning oh, and you're trying to get gosh. to her. I know. Dark. That's our niece. Dark. But that's how I guess I caught myself to really like get <laughs> that you strained your lower back. <laughs> so anyway, I kick the seat accidentally out from underneath me. So then I literally, my ass falls on those like, those like, like bars that yeah. it's running on. So then I had just had the crazy, most crazy bruises on my butt. Couldn't do a thong bikini post that week. And it was really, <laughs> that was really tough. Another, another real problem for you. Not real problem elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But no. So anyway, so anyways, going back to my current schedule, what I'm doing is um, I don't follow the weights at all. Like whatever's okay. on their thing, I don't do. I just do my own weight program. Um, t- during, so dumb and bizarre. Totally so strength, annoying. During the strength training portion, because let me tell you, I just, if I've just done cardio, right? Or if I'm going to do sure. cardio after this, I don't need to be hopping around a bench. I don't need to be doing any sort of jumps. I don't need to be doing any. Why am I doing more cardio? If this Why is are only you paying for this program? Just have a gym because, membership? Because it is so much better for me to A, be it's just better for me to have to show up. Yeah, it's like, like a timing thing. If I have to get to a class and I have to work my day around it, I would so much rather do that than in my mind think, when am I going to go to the gym? Am I going right, to go to the gym? Right. Maybe I'll do this. Right. Then I have to do my hair. Maybe I'm not going to go. Okay, I'm not going to go. It's just so much better for me to have to do a time. Yeah, agree. Um, But I do think that the current workouts and their current iteration will basically do nothing for, for you. <laughs> um, And it is a bullshit workout. So... <laughs> It's just a lot of, sorry, dad, but it's, I love you so much, dad, but it's literally just like, it's just a bunch of cardio. Well, I think it's, half great. Har- it, it's perfect for someone like dad at dad's age. Like also dad modifies the whole time. Dad does whatever the hell he wants. Literally, I've gone to classes with him where he just opens up the emergency exit door because he needs an extra <laughs> brace. <laughs> literally props it open. Maybe it's genetic. It actually probably is. Just doing whatever the hell we want in order Literally to Literally paying money to go to a class where you actually just pretend like you own the place. Listen, I I rented this little space of weights <laughs> for this time. So I'm going to use it as I so wish. Is and it I did in Spanish? Warn my instructor. It is in Spanish too. So that's the other thing. It's oh like, gosh, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> Wait, oh, bingo. That's exactly what you're modifying because you're not actually understanding what anyone is saying. Well, he's always like, uno, dos, tres, hola. And I'm like, hello? Like, what the fuck? Are we ending this? Are we starting it? So I'm just doing my own thing. Like, I don't know when we're doing an all out. I don't know when we're doing. I would, I would give anything for footage of you doing your own thing in a Spanish <laughs> orange theory class. Yeah, well, it's, it's now five days a week. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, okay. And, yeah. I mean, I'll talk more about this Aside on Patreon, but also I can get a very efficient strength training regime handled in the 25 minutes allotted to me at Orange Theory 2. So I'm turning it into an excellent workout. But we can okay, move on. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. And I'm like, did anyone ask you to talk about it on the Patreon or is that just like a, you know, self-imposed solo episode? <laughs> okay. I guess I'm not going to discuss it for I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, I actually, Let's I would like to hear it. On. Let's, Let's move, move on. Let's move on, Chandler. Um, so this weekend, can I tell you about something quickly that happened to me this weekend? Please. Now that we're a little warmed up. Yeah. Um, I went to a spa for my friend Sammy's 30th birthday. Um, I've been to the spa before. It's called Sojo. It's in New Jersey. Um, it's great. And I will say this was my most, um, let's say embarrassing experience because I got reprimanded multiple times while I was there. Yes. For what? Let me just paint a picture of the vibe of this place. It's kind of like a really clean airport that's also a day spa that's also kind of like a hotel lobby. Like the theme of it is it's like a K-spa, but it's like um, it's it just like it's like six it levels. Like industrial logistics. It's, kind of, it's, it's like a shopping mall that every floor is like a spa related thing. So there's like a floor of saunas, a floor of like a beautiful food court, a floor of like salt rooms, like that type of thing. Cool. Okay. okay. So Great. it's Yeah. But they are very strict about certain things when you go there. And I like that they're strict because it makes it a really clean and nice facility. Um, But one rule that I was not prepared to have to follow, and I didn't know this rule existed until I went on Saturday, um, is no excessive PDA. Okay. Whoa. Really? (laughs) 
So really? I've never been with Ben, my love, my, you know, my person. And, you know, when you go to a spa with your person, you, you want to be able to canoodle. Have sex. Is that crazy? <laughs> no. But you want to be able to canoodle, okay? So we we're, we get there and, you know, all of us, like, and everyone, like, brought their partner. So it was like, you know, it was it was a fun day. Okay, it had the all the right. makings of being a fun day at least. Right, so we, right. We go to we go to the top infinity pool that's like overlooking everything. It's beautiful. The pool is like ninety five degrees, but but it, and it's like ice cold that day. So it just felt amazing, right? Like there's yeah. nothing like being outside when it's kind of chilly and being in like a really hot pool. Um, so you know my vibe is good. I'm I feel very connected to water. I love jacuzzis. So the minute I get into the the pool, I'm just like loving it, and I'm starting to you know love up on Ben. Okay. Okay. And this is not not to be gross. I'm I'm not even being gross. Um, you know. And I, he's kind of holding me and I have my like legs wrapped around him, okay? And we're just kind of like going around the pool. That is not very gross. That's Wait, not very what's graphic. the ergonomics of you with your legs around him like, going around the pool? Like I I'm like I've got my like legs around him and he's kind of like holding me as we go around the pool. He's like moving us, okay? I mean, like clearly very strong, okay? Well, we're you're, you're in a pool too, you know. So it's like I don't weigh as much. Oh, that's true. It's buoyant. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is not a physics podcast and it should never be. <laughs> He's clearly very strong. Um, okay, anyways, please continue. So when all of a sudden this lifeguard walks over, okay, and she's behind the glass. Like there's a, they're like enclosed in glass, okay? She's behind the glass and she aggressively taps on the glass, tap, 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 looks Stop. at me and then uses her two fingers to mouth legs, legs. To let it like, <laughs> like, get, no, like, not, like, like, un- un- release un- him, release him. Like, basically, don't, yeah, don't like, do not be holding him. I'm gonna say the word straddle, but I feel a little bit embarrassed. Like, stop, don't straddle him in the pool. Um, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, and why? I don't. I have no idea. We weren't making out. We weren't kissing. Like, it was just. A, I was just literally tenderly holding him. I mean, I've been dating this man for like two years. You know, like. I just sorry we were having a nice afternoon. And here's the other thing, Lauren. It what? was such a slut shaming moment for her for me yeah. when she used her yeah. hands to motion to my legs. She might as well have just said slut, whore. Yeah. <laughs> Unmarried. Yes. Absolutely. Living as, in sin. In the words of Dr. Laura, all you know, unmarried women who live with their boyfriends are what she would call um unpaid whores. Oh so <laughs> and it was like a girl my age. Did she too. mouth? That's that the to other you? worst part. Yeah, no, yeah, she did. She did. She said all those things. Um, unpaid whore, release, uh, spread those legs even wider and release that boy. Oh anyway, I hope mom and dad do not listen to this episode because it's going to seem a lot more graphic than it actually is. But and that was also in front of all my friends, too. Okay. So it was like, it's was pretty pu- embarrassing. Did anyone else get rep- reprimanded? No, no, no one else got reprimanded the whole day. And then the was anyone time- else as, you know, publicly, um, PDA. The, the funny thing, no, but the funny thing is that we all got in the pool and we were like joking about that rule, and then we were, we were like, okay, let's see where the line is. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sure the line is like if you're kissing or like you know on top of each other. So then I'm just normally holding on to Ben as I've been known to do, um, and then I'm within 90 seconds of being in the pool, I was like reprimanded. I guess um, is it like the idea that you're supposed to just be there as individuals not as like it's not supposed, you're not supposed to distract anyone like maybe they just don't want people yeah, to I get think- distracted by by people fucking in the pool <laughs> so embarrassed that um, could potentially that's not what was degrade happening. the spa experience generally. yeah and abs- i think i think here's the thing i think if it was just like people being extremely you know yeah if there was extreme pda which i did not consider that to be because no one could even really see us yeah you know underneath the water this is sounding so much worse than it was, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm sure I, I understand the rule. I just don't think I merit, look what I was doing merited, like the reprimanding that I got. And the then reaction. I, got re- I got reprimanded a few hours later because we were in the food like area and I was eating and I, you, you kind of you go around in robes, but I took off my robe like from my top half because I didn't want to like get ketchup on my like big, you know, white robe so, okay did you have no then, top on no then i had just my bikini on okay i just had a bikini on and just a bikini or like just a bikini everyone top was off no a, a bikini on my top and bottom half okay but and were you just in a bikini or was your robe like partially my on? robe was like, like tied on my left it was like on my left okay yeah great okay right right fine absolutely fine. also like 
I have a very modest chest. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm not Pam Anderson, which we'll get into later. But yeah, someone immediately walks over within 60 seconds and says, put on your robe. What? So like just I was just, just like, like that. Put on your just, robe. Not like it was like, ma'am. She kept like she was like motioning to her shoulders, my shoulders. Anyways, it like it brought up a wow, lot of past very trauma. Strict spa. Yes. Um. So I got I just feel like I got slut shamed that whole day. Um, well, this reminds whatever. me of my own spa time experience. Okay. okay. So as everyone knows, I took a trip to Mexico last year where I did a lot of mushrooms consecutively. Um, and I guess we'll just go there. We're just going there. Anyway, I was mini dosing. So I wasn't like, like hallucinating, but I was just kind of like confused, right? With the amount I was taking. It was a low amount, but confused enough to where like my head is just like in the clouds. So when the ladies like explained to me at the spa, how to like put my stuff in a locker, like I, I go to do the locker thing and I I literally cannot do it. Like there's just no way. No, there's no way you're getting that. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, but the funny part is, is I'd never done hydrotherapy before. Um, okay. And so I didn't know if you were supposed to be naked at the spa or if you're supposed to wear your swimsuit. Like, I just didn't know. Um, and there was like, I almost went naked thinking like, this is just, this, it's separated by gender. Right. You know, this is like a sophisticated thing. Like, you just don't be weird about it. Like, you know, right. and but then I decided ultimately I was like, man, I'll just wear a swimsuit, and then if other people are nude, I can just go. I can take totally it off. right. So I'm very grateful I did not go full naked because it was not. It's, it's not a full naked spa at all. That would actually be like pretty abrasive if you were to do that. Yeah, it was. It would have. I probably would have been kicked out of the resort. So anyway, um, that was my own spa experience. We'll see wow. if we leave that in. You know. Well, I um thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. We clearly are <laughs> people who like luxury experiences, but we don't know how to behave in them. If you like luxury, psychedelic luxury experiences, it's a whole new level. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but let's move on. Um moving along. Do you want to talk about Pamela Anderson? Yes. Okay, so last week, um, I got to go to the screening of Pamela a Love Story. Okay. Um and I didn't know if I was going to be able to get in. Like my friend Candace and I, we reserved tickets, but I was like, you know, like we showed up and there was a huge line to get in the theater and it was a live screening with her. Okay. So like, you know, it drew a crowd, which is New York insane. Too. Yeah. Which was crazy. And it was also free, which was great. So um, cool. So cool. So we waited in line and we were like some of the last people to get seats. And I basically know nothing about Pamela Anderson at this point. I, that day I listened to her like armchair expert interview and mm. I yeah I know nothing about her. Um, other Can than I that, just like, say yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Well, I I feel like being raised in the house we were, which was a very like a very fun but a conservative household, right? Um, where literally our mom, like because of the line uh, in a Celine Dion song, "It's all coming back to me now." There's a line where she says, "There were things I'd never do again," but then but then they always seemed right. Our mom remember her saying, "That means she's a slut." Anyway, there was a fair amount of um, slut There was a fair, yeah, there were definitely, especially it, of stars who yeah. were racy. And so I think Pamela Anderson is a very good example of someone who, in our home, I don't know that we talked about her that much, but it was kind of like I think there was maybe like an an icky feeling for us. Yeah, as, I think you know what I mean as kids. I think. I you know we never watched Baywatch. Um, yeah, and our household I would say was sex positive, but not necessarily sexy positive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know how I wouldn't. I don't know how sex positive our household well, just like, was. It, it wasn't like it wasn't like mom and dad were crazy conservative about like I don't know. Like, anyways, we, we don't True. have to get into totally, it. totally. You know, like the, it was they sex, like it was sex positive was no, about between a, ma- right. a, ma- a husband and a wife. Literally, it was extremely sex positive when it comes to being married. Um, for yeah. sure like a heterosexual yeah. couple yes exactly those like all green lights um right okay anyway we digress yeah, so we, we had no we had no real introduction and the only other you know moment i'd had or the only other exposure to her i really had was i tried to watch the pam and tommy hulu show that came out okay. a couple years ago yeah um and then i watched it and it was honestly a little too graphic for me like mm. it was just it wasn't totally my vibe 
Um, yeah. And so I was like, I just didn't really know what to expect from this documentary. So that and was she the, was really before our time. Like, yeah, you know, when, when was Baywatch was starring, you weren't even born yet. And I was two yep. years old. Right. So right. anyway, she was definitely not of our gen, like not no. of our time. But let's move on. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, so I would, but I was still like, oh, well, I love celebrities. I love seeing celebrities in person. And yeah, so she, we go into this like theater and we like, she comes in and she gets introduced and she like introduces the movie and her son produced it. Um, and she's just like gorgeous in person. She's wearing this like unbelievably beautiful, like white, you know, satin dress that just like looks perfect on her. And like, she just has star power. Um, Interesting. And, she, you know, it's just like, she's so tiny, but she's like her, you know, she's got like this amazing figure. Um, and I was definitely like when, and this is before the movie, even or the film even started, but I was like, ding, like, I'm pretty captivated by her. Like she's really, just, you were taken. Yeah. Like I just Pamela. was like, oh wow. Like I think it was also just like, this is an icon. This is a household name. So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty rare to see a household name in person. For sure. You know, Absolutely. like you can see run of the mill celebrities, but like that's, she's a, she's a household name. She's someone who right. like, I know what she looks like. I know what her boobs look like, you know? Um, Anyways, so I mean, then, I, do you know like her full boobs look I like? Mean, you knew what that they looked I mean, like at that point before, or because no, of- not before the documentary. But like I knew okay, that she, okay. had, you know, I knew she had big boobs. Whatever. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Just want to. I honestly just want to exonerate you from being like I know exactly the size of her nipples. I know exactly right, what she looks right. like naked. I don't think you were that much of a perv on Pamela. No, Anderson. no, no, no. I'm just saying like she's she's someone who I've just like I've seen her in culture. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> um, okay. And anyways, so then we watched this documentary, um, you know, all about her life. And I think it just really um, evangelized me is like the word that we use, like for how. So then we watched the, the film and it's just really good. Like I just found it to be like fascinating to see how her life unfolded. You know, she's from like a very small town in Canada. And she's just like truly one, I think, one of, I think, the last celebrities who's just like plucked from obscurity out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, she literally was at a football game or a hockey game and like, you know, the Jumbotron spotted her and then like the Jumbotron couldn't get enough of her. And then they literally brought her down to the 50 yard line. And then like soon thereafter, the the brand. That's how she got famous. Literally, she was like she was fully plucked from obscurity. And then she like Mm -hmm. then because of because she was in that like commercial for that beer company, Playboy reached out to her and like. She couldn't even, I mean, and, and they talk about this in the film, she couldn't even get through the border on a plane because she, like, they asked what she was doing in America and she said, I'm going to go work for Playboy. And then they were like, no, you can't work in America. You're Canadian. So then she had to, like, take a bus right. and Hollywood, like, just a true, Not like, much street smarts. Like, a very, like, hometown girl. Yes. Like, very just like, sheltered. I'm going to do it. And I also just thought it was so funny, like. And interesting, her her mom's response to her being like, I'm going to go be in Playboy. And her mom saying like, no one ever asked me to be in Playboy. Go do it. You know, like, it's well, it's fascinating. That was actually one of the notes I had was I just felt like so many parents, A, would have kind of slut shamed their daughters. Absolutely. Um, been uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Like, rightly so or not. I don't want to debate that. But I think that there is... Her mom was such a special person. Yeah. And yeah. the way that she was like yes go like right, when she right. calls her mom and it's like i'm in la right and i think i can make a career out of this her mom's like do it right do you know parents would be like that's a, a bad world mm-hmm. you don't want to be in that mm-hmm. world come back to this small town right right you know go back to working at the the gas station or whatever mm-hmm. or i don't know like would want to keep their kids close right like so right. many so many moms are competitive like i'm not our mom is not this way at all but so many moms are competitive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't want to see their kids really succeed that much because like it takes them away from them and right, her right. mom was the opposite she was so selfless she was like right. live your life right be a right. star right very cool i thought it was yeah. really special and you know her her childhood was chaotic and her parents fought a lot and she's really honest about the the troublesome relationship that they had in their early days and how they like her father was violent and yeah you know they would leave him and then you know they would they would get back together and they would you know be so in love and and I think there's no there's no doubt that that shaped you know her approach to love and you know mm-hmm. the, the relationships that she sought but she also doesn't pass 
real judgment on her parents for like the fact that they stayed together and that they loved each other, you know, and mm-hmm. I actually don't remember if they're still alive. Um, I think they actually, I think they are. Cause I think they're interviewed. Duh. They're, um, yeah, yeah, they're in, they're in the documentary. Yeah. I think, I think actually it brings up a really good question and debate and it's not something I think we're going to solve or even really get into that much, but the question of like redemption, right? Like, and, and is a person, can a person grow and change? Can a person mm-hmm. become better than the worst thing they've ever done? Like, her mom and her father seem actually happy now, even though he was, you know, he did commit domestic violence and he was an abuser. But now they live this life where they are like in love and happy together. And Pamela like accepts that and seems right. to love both of her parents and not wish otherwise. And so I think that there's, I think that like just the human experience is so complicated. And I do think that mm-hmm. in our society, we are just, so ready to burn people at the stake right and never forgive them but i just think that i thought it was a kind of an interesting an interesting portrait of you know maybe a relationship that had been through really dark times but had ultimately succeeded right right um yeah i mean i think that's like that's that entire conversation is true of pamela's relationships and like you know the way that she doesn't the way that she kind of like fearlessly falls in love over and over again and gets married and yeah. that these marriages don't work out. And Tommy is like a whole other subject, but that she's not bitter. And that's a huge part of like the documentary. And like the theme mm-hmm. is that like her, she's still just an extremely open hearted person. And I think that is so like wonderful. And like, I don't know, like there's, I think, yeah, it would, it's easier almost to pass judgment on her and be like, oh, like she, you know, she has issues with love. She's blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it's I prefer looking at it more uh, for, through the lens of like, wow, she's just still she still continues to be very open hearted. I agree. I agree. But I think that I think that her approach to love is is one that's like based on a flawed concept, which is that mm-hmm. that you can perpetually stay in a state of right. bliss and the state of like complete rapture um, with someone else or being enraptured by someone else. And I think that she's she clearly says that she's uncomfortable with not being in like this manic Mm -hmm. state of obsessive love. And that's not the reality of a long term committed monogamous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Sophie, uh, I was talking with her recently and she quoted this quote I've heard. So I've heard before that is so worth repeating. And it's like, a marriage is really committing to falling out of and back in love with someone over and over and over again. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's the reality of the the human experience, especially right. in, in a monogamous relationship. And so yep. I almost wonder if seeing her parents and the way they were so volatile and then also having this relationship with Tommy where, first of all, it starts off with her doing drugs, which she's never done before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then it's this extremely passionate, chaotic, violent, turbulent relationship. I almost wonder if that kind of created this false idea in her head that things have to feel so incredibly on the edge mm-hmm. to be real. Like that's the only love that right. actually she, like she literally can't feel a love that doesn't feel like she's right on ecstasy well, almost. And, and I mean, I have two, so I have two things like. The very like the origins of the of Pam and Tommy are so insane to me. Like they literally, they met at a nightclub. He pr- called her and called her. She didn't really want to. She wasn't interested. Then she told him she's going to Mexico. He says you're going to Mexico without me. I'm coming with you. He then literally follows her to Mexico for a photo shoot. Try figures tries to figure out what hotel she's staying at. Like essentially stalks, stalks her, her, crashes and her then, entire sh- like shoot, and then literally like they do ecstasy together. And then he they like in that like. Hayes say they say like let's get married and then they literally get married four days later well the, this the other thing Chandler and this I listened to the armchair expert episode two is he roofied her he slipped ecstasy mm-hmm. into her drink yeah and yeah. she was like it was the start of an amazing love story I know I know it's like <laughs> it's cr- I mean I don't know I don't have the perfect take on this I just think it's pretty in- crazy and interesting to see someone who does not look back at her life with all this bitterness and regret well this is the thing i actually that's i think the lesson here i think the lesson here is is that a lot of things can happen to you in your life Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and you have the ability to either like 
attach yourself to a negative narrative about them and become jaded and become bitter and become negative, or you have the ability to interpret them through a lens of like, and it was incredible at the time. Right. And, and just kind of let it go. And And it seems like she's really let it go. And she's like also fairly self-aware. She says like, I made a lot of mistakes. Like she's like, I didn't marry the right people. Like she doesn't act like every single marriage was perfect. And you know, like, like that she's led this Michelle Obama, like, you know, like, right. Right. You know, and, and she, and yeah. And I think like, she's like really honest about who she is. Um, and I think I see that honesty, like, and how I think when you're a very upfront parent who doesn't really like hide yourself from your kids or, you know, in the ways that you might be flawed. Um, like, I feel like she has a really close relationship with both of her children because of it. Like they, I don't know. And, and maybe she would, I, I don't know what she was like as a mother, but they, you know, they really seem to love her and adore her. I mean, I, I definitely think watching the way that they're so close, mm-hmm. it was really, it gave me a lot of hope for if I am a boy mom and have sons because like there was just such a closeness to their I mean, relationship. It's, it's really so special. It's, her relationship it's with her boys. It's yeah. really, I don't know why it's like making me emotional, but I think it's just like, you know, she she left Tommy the very day that where he was violent, the very first time he was violent with her, and she never looked back. And that was the one person that she felt like she truly loved and was loved by. But she mm-hmm. never looked back because she was like, I just, you know, well, I can't do this to my kids. Um, and obviously they did get back together like in the late 2000s. But like, you know, she he went to jail and he begged for her, you know, to come back and to to try again. And she she never really looked back. Um, and as she was raising them at least. And, um, anyways, it's interesting. Her son, Brandon, the one who produced the documentary, she talks about this on the Armchair Expert podcast. He actually decided to go to rehab. Yeah. Kind of out of the blue. He, and he, and she said, like, he said to her and Tommy, like, I actually think I have the thing where alcohol ruins your life, where it changes you and it ruins your life. And, um, and then he just decided to go. And she was like, he didn't have a problem. He, we didn't even think that he we was struggling yeah. with this. And anyways, I just, I don't know. I think I have, I have respect for her kids. And I think they, I mean, I can't imagine the childhood that they had. And they seem to be like, you know, pretty evolved impressive. and mature. It, yeah. Impressive, evolved, like kids for like the chaotic childhood. I mean, yeah. I Well, and I want to yeah, say, I want to say that I think that the fact that she didn't get back together with Tommy after he started to become physically abusive. And she did break that cycle. Right. Right. Um, I think that goes to show that she like, yeah, she has her fallibility. Um, she has her love ups, like obsession with being in a manic state of love, but she's also has a, a deep maturity, um, and a way of prioritizing the well being of her children. Right. And right. Especially with dropping the lawsuit, um, mm-hmm. against the, against, like the media company who was putting out the video. I mean, that right. was a lawsuit that probably they could have gotten a lot of money for. Right. Um, it could have vindicated her in the, the sphere of public opinion, which was really important at the time because this was a time when, when really women when stuff like that came out, they could be like ruined. Oh, um, I mean, her career was forever changed. The trajectory of her life right. was forever changed. I mean, and also this is, wait, hold know, on. 19- let me just finish. Oh yeah. And oh, she yeah. didn't. And she didn't. And the fact is, and she didn't because she didn't want to miscarry again because her mm-hmm. child mattered so right, much more to her. than anything. Um, yeah. And I think that anyway, this is a woman with, yes, flaws, but a lot of virtues. And I think that's right. why people are so captivated right now because, you know, her virtues really did shine through. Um, yeah. The last thing I just want to touch on is, you know, we live in a time of, sex tapes that are released honestly for publicity on purpose on purpose for money and the fact that you know and i didn't know this i did not know this about her life and and this incident but her like their entire safe was stolen from their house like this was like their private belongings Mm -hmm. this was not like you know they just had this crazy saucy life that they like let you know let the entertainment industry you know get into for some extra publicity and like that literally, I think, was what I thought before I watched this documentary. I had no idea that it was, like, truly stolen from her. And then 
hearing in the, the the documentary that they offered her you know money five million dollars for it and yeah she said no she was like you know because it was stolen property it wasn't right this, that's definitely like, money and fame in terms of yeah. like she didn't want that video out there and I think no. that's a huge piece and I think interestingly watching the way that that fact gives her son's calm like her sons were impacted by mm-hmm. the, this video coming out, but like they, the one of the sons does in the documentary, like she turned down $5 million right, that they right. could have actually really used um, because that's how much they didn't want the video. And I think out there, and I think that's actually like very healing for her sons to know absolutely that she so, was, tr- she, that at, at her core, she was trying to protect her family unit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyways, I, I could talk about this for a long time because I was really captivated by it, but. I have I have a few additional observations. Okay. Okay. Cool. Great. Let's talk about it. Um. One is her talking about being married to the Canadian contractor. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I just figured I'd try something something normal for a change, and and uh, I don't know. I don't. Sometimes I don't know if I'm alive or dead. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Okay, lady. Literally, uh, that's yeah. definitely not I the mean, most romantic way to talk about your new husband. I I think he was literally a a. A general contract, a, a general con- a contractor. General. Uh, I think he was literally a general contractor, like working on her property. I mean, I mean, and, yeah. She the way she that that relationship love. ended, and she like just basically calls him and says she, like she just is like romanticizing her past relationship with Tommy, right, and, right. like that is like a clear indication that this woman really right. does not want to be in a normal relationship. And obviously, yeah. who knows what that was really like, but. Seemed like he was just was he portrayed as just a nice guy. Um, the other thing I want to say is that uh, I will say that I I think that this movie was not going to be possible. Like, okay, she's from humble roots, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, thank goodness, even though she's from h- humble roots, the aesthetic of her childhood home is gorgeous. I feel like we're in like a pared down Montauk or something. Oh yeah, like where she lives currently, the co- like the beach yeah. cottage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is where she's from. Where she's just um, like clipping roses and putting them into different vases all day long. It, it literally is her in like a beautiful white linen see-through, right. like slip dress walking oh. through gardens and seaside. I just imagine be- imagine Chandler if she had been raised in like, if, if instead she was like walking through like a Victorville subdivision. I don't think this documentary would have really slapped if she had not been raised in no, such a beautiful environment. A huge part of this is like this like Canadian like island town. Like Vancouver Island, yeah. 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 Um I will be in a, you know, a sheer linen nightgown all summer and a black thong. You have she my word. Really, she really is so I'm sure Ben will love that. Um she really is so beautiful. Like even oh, to this stunning. day, she's so beautiful. Her freckles are so cute. Um. Yeah, she's really gorgeous. So. I. One other thing I want to discuss. Yeah. The supercuts of the different media interviews where she is asked about her sex life mm-hmm. and her boobs. Like, I just and we all watched this. We all felt like this was normal, and it reminds me of Britney Spears and you know, like, yeah, you know, TV what or like and and late night talk show hosts asking her about losing her virginity. Like the way that people in media were able to just talk to women is sickening that that was just like that was just normal and the way that the way that especially there would be older men yes clearly sexualizing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like objectifying women in these in these interviews it is just really interesting um it is just really kind of gross and it's so great that we're at a time where you can't say stuff like that anymore yeah Um, yeah so yeah i'm with you there um, should we move on though to Army Hammer? Yes, let's move on to Army Hammer, please. Okay, so Chandler, Army Hammer, we haven't heard from him since the accusations came out. An interview with him has just been published in Air Mail, which is a a offshoot of Vanity Fair. And actually, shocking stuff comes out in this interview. So the okay. first of which I want to get into is that he actually is selling timeshares in the Bahamas. And he's totally broke. He apparently American Express is suing him for sixty seven thousand dollars in unpaid credit card bills. That's like not that much money. Like that's shocking. That that, like you don't think like someone from the Hammy Hammy the Hammer family could just like throw him you know seventy five k and just say like okay we wash our hands of you. 
I didn't want to, I didn't know if I should say that because I didn't know if it would sound tone deaf to be like, not that much money, but it's honestly well, not that much money. It's like, not that much. It's, it's a, I don't, you know, it's a ton of money for us, but is for a celebrity, that's not that much money. Why didn't he just do an interview, like agree to sit down right. with 60 minutes for 200 grand or something? Totally. Like a full in-depth interview to that exonerate really himself crazy. or try to, even if he got castigated, like, the outcome wouldn't have been the same, would have been the same as when he was canceled, basically. And he I mean, it just didn't make sense that he didn't that makes just no take sense. some money for an interview and pay it I like, off. feel like I want to fact check that number because I even think for American Express, like really? You're going after the people who owe you 60 cents. That's not even like $100,000. Right, Once again, right. we're not tone deaf. I have like almost no money right now. I'm extremely broke. But <laughs> um, but beyond that, beyond his financial situation and the fact that he's literally selling timeshares, I mean, that is just such an interesting juxtaposition from his former life movie star rich just high flying to working a job that sounds frankly horrible um like literally we have better jobs than army hammer it's just shocking um but like he has to wear a hotel uniform and sell timeshares every day that is appalling i mean i would love a reality tv show about this maybe truly yeah that could help pay off the debt Truly shocking. But let me just say this. Okay. So as I get into this article, I want to say that I did, I did not think I was going to approach today with an okay. ounce of Army Hammer sympathy. Wow. I, especially when I read the first paragraph. Okay. Um, so listen to this. This is the first paragraph of the article. For the vast majority of humanity, January 1st, 2021, a year into the coronavirus pandemic, when most of the world remained under some form of lockdown and vaccines were not yet widely available, brought little to celebrate. Not for Army Hammer. The actor, great-grandson of oil tycoon Armand Hammer, had many reasons for optimism. The previous summer, Hammer and his wife of 10 years, Bird Bakery founder Elizabeth Chambers, had announced what appeared to be their amicable separation on Instagram. On Instagram, and over the months that followed, Hammer was photographed alongside a succession of beautiful young women. So I guess, I guess your marriage ending to the mother of your children uh, of 10 years, and now you're just hooking up with a bunch of young babes. That's a reason to be celebrating um, and have nothing but optimism for. Who is this magazine owned by? Um, It's it's Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there's a little bit of spin on this that I don't love. Well, it's just a little like misogynistic. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's that's yeah. That is the spin. Um. Okay. But but beyond that, um. But beyond that unsavory opening. So basically, this article really just gets into Army's account of what happened. Yeah. Okay. And I I feel like what's interesting about the entire thing is yes, like there was so there was a lot of really gruesome text, right? Yeah. But a lot of it fell under like kinkiness it fell within the within the spectrum of adult consensual sexuality right this the things that he was doing and i don't know i don't know about the cannibal stuff but like yeah a a good amount of it i I know fantasizing about cannibalism that is within the boundaries of human sexuality that's like that is not no i know you can people can honestly say anything i don't think saying things to a privately to a sexual partner is illegal yeah you are right you are right it's just i don't know i'm yeah it's I'm gross. clutching my pearls i'm clutching my pearls I'm right not, now i'm not into it personally but i do think that a lot of the things he was accused of um really were within the realms of just like a very kinky man right. um not someone we want to be cavorting with but right, right, right. you know it didn't seem like a crime and so the it, only real yeah when you said that, it reminded me of like, uh, you know, in uh, the Articles of Faith, which is a Mormon thing, uh, when they say if there's, you know, if anything, is, if there is anything virtuous, lovely or of good report, we seek after these things. Army Hammer does not fall into that category at all. No, 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 absolutely not. We do not seek after Army Hammer or any of his uh, is ilk. Yeah. But um, but the interesting thing about a lot of not all the accusations, except for one woman, one woman accused him, which is Effie of rape. Yeah. And and this is not the same situation as a Bill Cosby. This is not the same situation as a Harvey Weinstein where, you know, dozens of women have accounts of the exact same sexual crime 
Right. Not right, 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 creepiness. Right. right. Not grossness. Not this thing that we're interpreting as bad, but no, an actual sexual crime. So anyway, all of, I think his, I think him being burned at the stake really hinged on these accusations by this woman. Of course. Effie. Yes, yes, yes. So what comes out in this interview and what he says is that, and this is his account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also there are receipts of her account. So that's what, what that, that is what I think casts a lot of complications across this whole story. Um, and the first thing is that she told, she texted or DM'd people that everything was consensual. So there are yeah, DMs right, of right. her telling people that there's no crime here. I don't need legal representation. I never yeah. said anything wasn't consensual. Yeah. Yeah. Which is obviously a problem if that's not the case. Right. Right. And then additionally, let me see here. I think using, especially using the word consensual, not saying like everything was fine. Right. Like that that's a that is a very serious thing to back up if it wasn't actually true. And I think that if women are to be taken ser- seriously, which they should be, um and their accusations are to be taken seriously, which they should be, women should also take their word seriously. Like we need to be responsible for what we mm-hmm. say. Yeah, and we absolutely. need to be responsible for what we accuse and I think that, you know, we're like we got into some gray area with me too. Where people were, mm-hmm. where maybe there was comfortability with throwing out accusations of things that maybe were, cons- and I'm I'm not saying this is what happened with Effie, but things that maybe felt consensual in the moment. And then once maybe a person was no longer interested, reinterpreted, did not feel consensual um, or it felt like or a violation. Think, yeah. And I just don't think we had a range of language to describe, you know, the different types of sexual encounters that you can have that can feel less than great or that cannot feel perfectly perfect. And I mean, I, and I, I think of the example of like uh, Aziz. Right. Right. Exactly. Anyways. Yeah. And I think so. So one of the interesting things in this article that they talk about is basically like, and there's kind of this idea that like during when this was happening with the first, so like here, okay. So let's talk about Paige Lorenz. Paige Lorenz this is what the article says. On January 25th, a 22-year-old Instagram influencer named Paige Lorenz claimed that Hammer had carved the letter A near her vagina with a knife, licked the wound, proposed consuming her, and told her that he wanted to eat one of her ribs. I thought he was kidding, Lorenz said. It didn't register, register to me that this was something serious until he brought it up multiple times and seeing other women come out with the same thing. And then it was like, wow, this is really scary. In a subsequent interview with the Daily Mail, Lorenz said that the incision was about an inch deep not an inch across, an inch deep, engraved with the whole tip of the blade. Um, if the knife had gone into her an inch, she would have had to go to the emergency room, right? Right, like, right. And an army's account is that it was actually a scratch, that it was, and it was kind of within this, the bounds of pushing the boundaries, but it wasn't an actual, it, it wasn't something where she had to go to the hospital or anything like right, that. Right, right. I think that, if you read this article, what will become clear is that this was a guy who was really hot. He was very sexually deviant. Yeah. And yeah. he was pursuing women, pursuing very young women, and then using them for, you know, his sexual satisfaction and then discarding them emotionally yeah, and moving right. on to the next one. Right. He's right. absolutely guilty of that kind of emotional abuse. And he cops to that in the article. Um, but I think what just where we get into gray areas is if he's really guilty of a crime mm-hmm. um and really I mean, yeah yeah it's it yeah like i i don't know i don't i don't know if i totally like yes i think a lot of this happened in the gray area but i just remember watching the documentary and feeling so beyond sick mm-hmm. not feeling like this was just some kinky people but it it just felt sick to me and there was there was maybe some spin on it, but um, I don't know. The documentary just left me with a real pit in my stomach about ARMY in a way that I don't know that I can come back from. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying anyone needs to yeah. come back from that. I don't think yeah. anyone needs to. I'm not here saying that, you know, ARMY Hammer needs to have a career at the height of acting or whatever. Yeah. So Effie said in one conversation, she said, 
an apologetic message to Elizabeth Chambers. She said, I was pretty much chasing him. He kept saying he was married and couldn't do this and how he's never cheated in so many years of marriage and would feel absolutely terrible if he started. And I kept pursuing him. He kept blocking me. So I kept trying and I shouldn't have. So the other thing that really comes out is that she really pursued him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um admits to that and then also harbored you know hopes that this relationship that he would leave elizabeth for her right and when when she when he doesn't his you know his way he retells it or he tells it is that um is that that's when she kind of reframes right things that have happened in the relationship so the rape accusation is surrounds this one incident and what he says is that with this one incident that took place, um, I think, in L.A., I don't have the date, but anyway, what he says is that this was a scene that she scripted entirely and that she basically, and I don't know if this is true, you guys, this is what Army Hammer says, but um, he says that she there are messages on Facebook that have somehow been since deleted. He's tried to subpoena them from Meta, so maybe you could look into that, but he has said that that you know this was a scene that they had pre-scripted she had introduced him to the idea or the i guess what's called a consensual non-consent scene and it's something where you know it's a bdsm thing um and that there are messages that would completely exonerate him in terms of the fact that this was like a very premeditated thing that they were going to do together mm-hmm. he really says that you know for him he's not someone who takes pleasure at people energetically not being like not also taking pleasure in a situation and i think i was left after reading this i mean i i personally find him saying that he was abused did you did you hear about this i think i remember this like coming out in the with his aunt talking about how his dad or his uncle was an abuser no, this just came out in this article. And I I feel like there was there was like there was talk early on during the, the of sexual like, abuse this, of sexual deviance like a, across the family. So yeah, that there was talk of that. But the first accounts we have of him being sexually abused are in this airmail article, okay. and he says okay. that he was sexually abused by a pastor when he was thirteen. Oh for wow, about a okay, year. okay. And he says that his interest in BDSM is a response to that, basically mm-hmm. a response to taking pleasure from feeling in control when mm-hmm. he felt out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that is pretty um, typical. So, yeah. So we don't know, yeah. right? We don't There's... know who is telling the truth. One thing that's interesting though, is that, is that Effie will not sign an affidavit swearing that, that? her testimony, yeah. it's basically putting your testimony under oath. Yeah. And she yeah. wouldn't do that. And that is why Gloria Allred dropped her. And I listened to an interview with the journalist who, did this uh, article and what the journalist basically said is like we decided to put this out there and pursue this because because like there was all this talk around him and people Mm -hmm. you know the internet had gone so crazy that there was a conspiracy theory that he killed someone in california like there was a murder that happened at near a hotel where he was helping a friend or something and there was this conspiracy theory that he was actually the murderer so it kind of like gone so yeah. out of control no that destroyed yeah. him but then there yeah. wasn't actually what they say is there there were no lawsuits there were no settlements there was nothing actually behind it that would kind of vindicate the extreme reaction okay um so anyway it's i think it's super juicy you guys i definitely it's super it's very long um but it's very very much worth the read there's clearly just a lot more to this picture um it's just a grisly topic to, and it's just murky to kind of go back and forth with who's right, who's, whose account of consensual or non-consensual interactions do we believe? Like that, I don't know. It's just really, it's tricky and it's, it is, yeah. It's definitely tricky, but I just think that, you know, as people who, who spoke on this podcast about what a bad guy Army mm-hmm. Hammer was and yeah. how gross yeah. he was and yeah. how we were part of the, the chorus of people yeah burning this guy at the stake i also think yeah. that there's kind of a there's you know we can't just be one-sided like we have to right. be able to hear everyone's voice and yeah i mean listen to this this is a dm effie sent on january 8th 2021 she said that sex with hammer was always consensual that he was such an amazing daddy and that he is not dangerous he didn't rape anyone mm-hmm. 
And then someone said if she was going to ask if she was going to get legal representation and she responds and says, I'm not saying he raped me. No need for legal rep. So I have no doubt that this woman, no matter what happened or didn't happen, I have no doubt that in her brain, she is incredibly traumatized by that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just it's just very complex. Yeah. Um, And I think that we should try we should try to have conversations and we should try to hear from everyone not just not just accusers no so. I, I i completely agree i think um you know we were quick to vilify him completely and there's clearly just more to this story exactly exactly so anyway pretty juicy you guys definitely worth a worth a read um if you have a spare 30 mm-hmm. minutes anything else you want to touch on this episode chandler nothing from me okay Well, you guys, this week on Patreon is going to be part one of my wedding recap. So that is coming out. We we recorded for three hours, you guys. So I think what we're going to do, we're basically going to release this in three parts over the course of like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to release part one on Friday, hopefully part two sometime early next week, and then part three the end of next week. So there's going to be five Patreon episodes this month instead of just four. It's all going to be on Patreon. I'm really sorry if it's so many details, so so much. Um, apologies in advance, but I just didn't want to leave anything out. So I hope you enjoy it. No, and it's great. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Pop Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.